0: You're listening to Podcateers.
1: Welcome to episode 267 of Podcateers this week we dive into some of the general history of frontierland but before we do we talk about marvel's announcements at comic-con and the life of disney legend russie taylor who recently passed away russie was 75 and best known for her role as the iconic Minnie mouse we were very saddened to hear about her passing and we would like to offer our deepest condolences to russie's family and friends during this very difficult time some notes on this episode can be found over at podcateers.com slash 267. Also, if you have any questions or comments on anything that we talk about, we'd love for you to join the conversation and give us your thoughts by leaving a comment on the blog post or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for podcuteers. This episode of Podcateers has been made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you called the FGP Squad or our podcast Fairy Godparents because it's their monthly contributions via Patreon that help keep this podcast ship afloat. If you like the podcast, it's a great time to become part of the FGP Squad. By becoming a part of the FGP Squad, you'll gain access to additional content on Patreon, including our new live streams. Uh, You'll be eligible for some giveaways. So if you want more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad you can go to podcateers.com FGP and to all of the members of the FGP squad we just want to say thank you for your support as of this episode we are only a couple of weeks away from the 2019 chalk walk and we want to end this year strong by earning at least $1,000 for the children of chalk but we need your help to do that As of the release of this episode, we are just about three quarters of the way to hitting that $1,000 goal. To help out, you can either bid on any of the items that we'll be auctioning up on Instagram, or you can just make a donation to help our fundraising efforts. You can find a link to donate and a link to join our team if you'd like to join us the day of the chalk walk by going to teamboatwilly.com. With your help, we know that we can hit this $1,000 goal, and to everybody that's already donated and helped us, either with a donation or has shared our links, thank you so much for your contributions and help. All right, let's do this podcast thing, shall we? Here is episode 267 of Podcateers.
2: Scaramu, scaramu, do, do the fandango. Boots
1: on the boots of lightning, <laughs> very very frightening. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, garum, magnifico. <laughs> I'm just a <laughs> poor boy nobody <laughs> loves me. You know what? Ironically boy, enough, I didn't plan that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I you was never have to plan a Bohemian Rhapsody sing along. That's they true. They just happen spontaneously.
1: That's, that's true. But I did kind of feel like that a little bit at the end of the auction because
2: nobody bid on the <laughs> photo print. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. So man, you know, that stinks, man. Come on, podcasters <laughs> nation.
1: Where were you? <laughs> you know, it's funny because as an artist, you always have that feeling, right? Of like, man, are mm-hmm. people going to like what I created? And I don't I don't think it's just like just general It's actors, uh, musicians, like everybody always has that fear. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first started thinking about what to auction off for Team Boat Willie and everything, I thought, you know what, this is, uh, I love this photo. And it's crazy because I think I mentioned this on the live stream that we did with the FGP squad, that there's times that I post photos that I think, oh man, yeah, this is the greatest thing I've ever taken! And then it gets like two likes. And then yeah. I'll just post this like throwaway photo and it's like seven hundred dollars 94,000 likes, you know, so I, I just think to myself, maybe I'm thinking about the stuff I'm posting wrong.
2: I don't know. I, it's crazy. I don't think there's a true answer here. It, it You never know what's going to pop. It's you true. Just don't. It's true. You know, like, I, I've had the same experience. I think all of us have that do yeah. creative things. You know, we put our heart and soul into something and technically it's better than anything else. But There's something where we happen to catch lightning in a bottle that took us five seconds that we put up there, and people are like, oh, yeah, we dig that. Yeah. You you probably spent months on that. No, it was five minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it happens to everybody, and it's like, yeah, you get your jitters and stuff. I mean, it could be hit or miss, and... I'm sorry that happened. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it's a humbling experience at the same time, right? Because mm-hmm. it yeah. reminds you that there's a lot of people out there that do really great work. You know, I, on this podcast, work with two of the best artists that I've ever met in my life. So Pssh. it's <laughs> it's one of those instances <laughs> that, I don't know, I as much as I, I joked about being in the fetal position in the corner and like. You know, crying over it. Was I upset? Absolutely. I'm human. I have feelings too. All right. I'm not a robot. But at the same time, I think back on the journey to where we are right now. You know, we're three quarters of the way to $1,000 for what we've raised for Team Boat Willy so far. And when I think yeah. back, we signed up really late and yeah. there were so many other teams. And year after year, there's more people putting together their own little teams. And so, th- there's only so much money that can go out to these organizations, right? And so I started to kind of rationalize this as, as a grown adult. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if people that were going to donate to us or purchase these items to go to Chalk ended up donating to somebody else, who cares? It's all going to Chalk. In the end, True. we're all trying to help the same organization. And whether it was through us or whether it was through somebody else, the important thing is that the kids are getting help right and so when i put it into that mindset i just thought okay it was just a bad day when we were at the art walk oh my god there was months when we didn't sell anything and then there was like (laughs) that one day where (laughs) like you said gavin all of a sudden like 500 dollars worth of two dollar items were sold right so (laughs) it's insane like you can never predict how things are going to go And it was just a bad day. You know, I still believe the print Mm -hmm. is really nice. Uh, But again, I might be biased because, again, I took it. Uh, Either way, I I do want to thank everybody for their consideration as far as purchasing it. I have mm-hmm. a couple of other ones that I'm going to try to sell, but I do want to send a very special thank you to our friends over at Dateline Nostalgia because they were gracious enough to talk about our team. Oh, nice. uh, and also a special thank you to the Disney Universe podcast. Our friends Joey and Ryan also allowed me to kind of take control of their podcast for the first few minutes and talk about Teamboat really. so thank you to both of them uh it was it was a, a great opportunity and i'm very very thankful to both podcasts for allowing us to just kind of talk about the team yeah. um so yeah uh, like i said currently we're just over seven hundred dollars uh when when we hit those first few milestones just like like we did before i thought you know what let's raise the stakes let's level up again and let's try to hit that thousand dollars and I'm going to keep trying, man. We have approximately two more weeks to try to hit that 1000 bucks, And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to do it. And special shout-out also to FGP squad member Albert because, oh, my God, he <laughs> rocked it. Like, he yeah. signed up, and within two days, he had already surpassed what I had raised. So special shout-out to Albert because, man, that is ah, –
2: I love it. That's it was so awesome. It's always good to have a straight-up baller on your team. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like That's you said, awesome. Mel, straight-up beast mode. Yeah, it's a small team this year, unfortunately, but um, those of you that are in are killing it. So Well, look. I'm it, it's, proud of you guys. It's not about the We're size trying. of the team. <laughs> it's
1: how big the impact we make is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, look, working for a nonprofit myself, I can tell you – it sounds cliche, and it to be completely honest, it really is cliche that you hear from organizations and uh, fundraisers and all those telethons mm-hmm. and stuff when they say every dollar counts. Every oh, yeah. dollar, it actually does. You know, like like sure. I said, now working for a nonprofit myself. Oh man, twenty to twenty five bucks. You know that you get buys medical supplies for somebody. You know, or 50 bucks buys uh, an extra night in the ER for somebody that needs it. You know, so all Mm -hmm. these things uh, before I heard them all the time, but they didn't have an impact on me until I started working in the nonprofit sector. So uh, Mm -hmm. as cliche as it's going to sound again. Every dollar does count. So whether you can give $1 or $50 or $20 or $100, it doesn't matter. Just know that the money you are giving is going to a great organization, the Children's Hospital of Orange County. If you're interested in helping out – Uh, our efforts to fundraise the $1,000 for Chalk, you can head to teamboatwilly.com. There you will find two links, one to make a donation, or uh, you can join the team. And join us the morning of the chalk walk. Uh, you can also donate to my fundraising efforts. You can donate to Melissa's fundraising efforts. All the information is there. And if you have any questions, you can always hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Just search for Podketeers. And yeah, we'll we'll connect with you there. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm gonna try to raise that thousand bucks. I don't I don't know what nice. it's gonna take, but I'm I'm gonna try to hit that thousand. We can do it. I'm, I'm going to yeah. try. It's going down for real.
2: Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. You
1: haven't seen Hotel Transylvania?
2: Yeah. How that's dare Hotel you? I don't remember it from that. Yeah. He was dancing to it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remember that song. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw it. Yeah, well, my kids watch it a lot, which is probably <laughs> why it's fresher in <laughs> it's my good. mind. It's good.
1: Melissa. Yes. So glad to have you back.
0: I'm so happy to be back, too.
1: <laughs> it's been... Uh, I, I love having conversations with Gavin, but the weeks that you've been away, there's, there's a little piece of the podcast that's been missing. <laughs> no, nah, he's Aww. sick of me.
2: <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
1: How's everything going?
0: Going good. Um, everything's doing... Everything's a lot more positive and going a lot better um, since... I want to say it's been a month yeah it's been a month yeah but everything's going well and I've actually had a few people reach out and you guys are awesome you guys are totally awesome even if it's a hi or you know just a little side conversation it really really helped me out so I really appreciate it so lots of love to you guys (laughs)
1: Well, I'm glad to see that you're back up in crafting. I'm glad that uh, things are doing much better as well. That's always a positive to hear. And, you know, we'll keep sending out that pixie dust and love into the universe so that things continue to progress positively. Thank you. Uh, The park. Did you guys head out to the park this weekend? Sure did.
2: A little quick trip. Yeah. (laughs) How'd it go? I didn't get a chance to go this weekend.
1: Anything new happening?
2: Um, not a lot of new yet. Um, I think there's some things in the works, maybe. Um, you know, we talked last week about the, the crowd levels have kind of returned to oh, what yes. would be expected. Um, so, you know, there's that. But uh, I was noticing, uh, it's interesting because we, we continue to see the effect that our words have on the world of Disney. <laughs> and they have decided to remodel the area in front of the Sunset Theater where Mickey's Philhar Magic is. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it looks like they're gonna be creating some sort of street-facing facade that, that faces the main part of Hollywood land mm-hmm. and lets people know, hey, there's a cool attraction in here and You know, because we theorize that that's part of the problem, why it's always empty when it was Muppets, you know, after the first few weeks when it was Frozen, um, you know, even the the movie previews that they've done in there have largely been pretty empty, you know. And I think a lot of it is that it's a weird angle around that corner and people don't see it as an attraction. So it's behind walls right now from award wieners all the way around the corner to the entry of Philhar Magic. Oh, that's and
1: interesting.
2: I'm excited to see what they're doing. Now it could just be an expanded eating area for award wieners because that seems to be more popular than ever. But I don't know. I, I'm excited to see what they're doing there. I'm hoping it's going to help draw people into Philhar Magic because that show is dope. Which I still haven't seen. (laughs) Uh Oh, you haven't? I have not. Every time that we've gone to the park this year,
1: we've always gone to Disneyland. So, no joke, I have. I'm trying to remember if this is actually true or not. I'm sure that my wife will hear this and she'll correct me if it's wrong. I don't remember anymore, (laughs) but I'm almost positive that every trip I've taken to the parks this year, has been without DCA. It's all been Disneyland. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if there was...
2: Yeah, I I
1: don't remember. (laughs) I don't know if I could do
2: that, man. I really don't know if I could do that. I've got mad love for DCA. Like, just Cars Land alone, dude. I know, I know. (sighs) But almost
1: every trip that I've made has been... Like, this crazy quick turnaround trip. I haven't had a chance to just yeah. go and relax and, like, do the things that I've loved to do at Disneyland for so many years, right? Like, I, sure. I one of the things I've always loved to do is just sit there and people watch mm-hmm. and just listen to the ambient sounds of whatever land I'm in. Dude, mm-hmm. it's been years since I've had the opportunity to do that. And yeah. like I, I – I, it's so weird. Like, I miss – disneyland like i've been there so many times and yet i feel like i haven't right like i just i miss disneyland
2: well i think a lot of it is that when you go as well you're going to do like a vlog or you're going to film something specific or photograph something specific you're not just strolling through and enjoying your time that's very true even though you enjoy doing those things like you like doing that but you're not just settling into a full disneyland experience right Right. So that makes yeah. sense. A
0: lot of the times, too, have been trips to Batu. So,
2: oh, that's true. It
0: doesn't feel like you're at Disneyland. So, I, I totally get that part. Yeah.
2: We are on another planet. So, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Batu, um, I was there uh, a couple times this weekend. And I was actually there this morning. And I now know who the two worst Millennium Falcon pilots on the planet are. Uh-uh. Um, I didn't catch their names, but I flew with them today as an engineer, and all I was doing was repairing the ship. We basically just crashed for ten minutes. I mean, it was <laughs> insane. Wow. I it's hilarious that that attraction. If you haven't been on it, is you know, it's dependent on six people kind of doing different tasks and working together to you know kind of fly a pretty simple mission, but. It can go off the rails really quickly, and uh it it was pretty funny, so i uh, I feel like i I was part of the worst crew ever today. It was kind of hilarious, oh man, that's insane <laughs> yeah and i've I've been on the
1: Falcon <laughs> with my kids too, and they oh, they yeah. can barely reach the controls, so
2: it's right you know it's difficult for them to do it, so i most kids though have some gaming skills you know which which that's translates. True. It's. I find it's when you get like a, a couple in their sixties up there in that in the pilot seats. Mm. And they, yeah, <laughs> you know they don't realize that one of them's going left and right and one of them's going up and down. No. They're both just trying to steer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Okay>. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, uh. it
1: it'll be interesting once we're all able to fly it together to see how well we do. Oh
2: yeah. But we'll mm-hmm. see, dude. I mean, or we could be the greatest thing they've ever seen, and they'll just hire us to smuggle everything.
1: We're going to start doing loop and loops in the in the Falcon. Yeah. Greatest smugglers like, ever. Hondo's going to be like, you're really that pirates, man. <laughs> 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 That's funny. In my worst Hondo impression ever. <laughs> That's pretty close. I like
2: it. I got to spend a little more time with the Datapad, too, this weekend, and... um Get some more loot and uh, pick up a couple of more jobs. And man, it it's cool. I dig it. Like, there's so much you can do with that thing. And like I said last week, I've only scratched the surface. Like, there's just millions and millions of things you can do in there. That's cool. It's crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's still on my bucket list, dude. You know what? I, I just realized that I
1: haven't had a chance to do is I thought about it right now when you were talking about the vlogging part of it. I haven't finished the Galaxy's Edge vlog. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I forgot about that. I totally forgot about it, too. You know what? Coming oh, in 2020. Funny. I should work on that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, okay. Well, uh, there was a couple other things that I wanted to talk about. You know, Comic-Con recently happened. There was a bunch of news from Hall H., Uh, I heard a lot of complaints about how if it wasn't for Marvel, Comic-Con kind of felt like a failure to most people. I don't necessarily fully understand that comment because I don't go to Comic-Con. But Mm -hmm. before we get into that, uh, I did also want to speak about Roosie Taylor. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with the name, Roosie Taylor is a Disney legend and is best known for voicing Minnie Mouse for more than 30 years In a statement that Bob Iger put out, he said, Minnie Mouse lost her voice with the passing of Roosie Taylor. For more than 30 years, Minnie and Rusi worked together to entertain millions around the world, a partnership that made Minnie a global icon and Rusi a Disney legend beloved by fans everywhere. We're so grateful for Rusi's talent as well as the tremendous spirit and great joy she brought to everything she did. It was a privilege to have known her and an honor to have worked with her, and we take comfort in the knowledge that her work will continue to entertain and inspire for generations to come. Roosie will be sorely missed, and our hearts go out to her family and friends, along with our deepest condolences. Uh, and, you know, when you think back on the stories that people, you know, leave behind when something like this happens, you, you know, Lucy, as a little girl, you know, she had told a story once about how she had gone to Disneyland and they were getting off of the Mark Twain riverboat. And over, you know, to the side, they saw Walt Disney sitting on a bench. And they walked over, they introduced themselves, and they shared some popcorn with him. And at some point, Walt asked her, you know, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And her answer was, well, I want to work for you. You know, and, wow. and all those years later, you know, she did. She was Minnie Mouse. Wow. And, That's cool. you know, she she auditioned uh, to be Minnie Mouse Um, in 1986 and there was about 200 other people that were auditioning for the role of Minnie at the time and I mean, you know, she leaves behind this, this huge legacy because she's best known for many, but she did so many other voices, you know, like it, within the Disney lexicon and outside, you know, she was Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby. She was Martin, Sherry, Terry, and Uter on The Simpsons. She was the original voice of Strawberry Shortcake in the early 80s. She was Pe- uh, Pebbles Flintstone, the fairy godmother in Cinderella 2 and 3. So, I mean... Those are just like some of the better known parts that she played. I mean, she has an amazing resume of voices that she did throughout her career. The craziest thing I think about her life is that, you know, at the time that that she got this role as Minnie Mouse, she met Wayne Allwine who was the voice of Mickey Mouse. He had been voicing Mickey since 1977, and after they started working together as Mickey and Minnie on set, they kind of fell in love in real life, and they were married in 1981. They were basically like real life partners on screen and off, and I thought mm-hmm. that like that story is just one of the cutest things I've ever heard. <laughs> right, like that's pretty awesome. Mickey and Minnie, yeah, like, for real. And yeah. uh, until until Wayne's passing in two thousand nine, uh, she she continued playing Minnie. I mean, in all the roles that we hear Minnie, including all the new attractions that are coming to the parks, she still voices Minnie. Obviously now, uh, Brett Iwen, is the voice of Mickey Mouse. He he had kind of started um understudying Wayne at the time before he had passed on. Uh but yeah, I mean, she's leaving behind this amazing legacy. You know, every story that I've heard of about her, everybody talks about how she was just the sweetest person to talk to and to work with and uh there's there was this interesting story uh that I that I read on Twitter from people that had to work with her that that she had the sweetness of Minnie Mouse but you know there there was this thing that she would do whenever she would walk into a room and she saw that uh like a man had like a beard she would kind of like pet the beard like it was like a pet like a little dog or something but it wasn't like <laughs> condescending it was this like cute like oh i'm working with you today thank you type situation right Aww. and it was just like the cutest thing
2: and <laughs> i was like i want one of those please <laughs> <laughs> why not me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's oh, awesome. what a tremendous legacy, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's funny when you mentioned her list of characters, I suddenly could hear Martin from the Simpsons and yes. Minnie, and you could kind of hear the those similar tones in there. And man, that's incredible. Like the breadth of characters that she was able to do is is remarkable. And yes, that is the cutest, like, Disney couple story ever. It's ridiculous. It is. But I was wondering, like, okay, so did she voice, or did, did she voice the new Minnie Mouse and the new Minnie Mouse shorts? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I feel like those voices sound different than when we hear, they like, are. Mickey and Minnie in the park. And so, like, they, they do give them a different slant. They don't have separate voice actors for those? I think it depends on the project because Mickey Mouse has had
1: 12 different people voice him since Walt Disney. So 11 others since Mm -hmm. Walt. The current two voice actors that do Mickey are Brett Iwin and Chris uh, Diamantopoulos. So Chris does all the new Mickey Mouse shorts and he does like... Uh, I think he does some video games and some other stuff, but Brett is primarily mm. the voice that you hear on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, um, uh, all so the like celebrations. Traditional yeah, traditional Mickey. Uh, he's okay. uh, before that, it was Wayne that did all the traditional Mickey stuff. So mm. Chris uh, does have a different slant to Mickey, but yeah. uh, Russi still did the voice for Minnie. So the the composer for some of the Mickey Mouse shorts his name is Christopher Willis. He had put up a song that he had worked on and he had mixed for one of the Mickey Mouse shorts and there was this song in the episode called Carried Away where Russy was singing uh, but he put it up with all of the without the foley, right? With all the explosions and all the other stuff that's happening and it's just it's just a beautiful piece. You know, you listen to it I love it. Like I I've heard it several times. I'm going to try to put it in the blog post for the episode. Hopefully it doesn't get taken down. He's kind of an official composer for the Mickey Mouse shorts, so I don't think they'll take it down. But who knows, right? I mean, it's a it's a Disney yeah. piece, so I don't know. com slash 267 if you guys want to check that out. And let us know. Listen to it and then let us know what you guys think about it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
2: That's awesome. It, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was hanging out with our buddy Josh from Animation Station Podcast uh, this weekend, and we were in the parking structure, and we were kind of comparing and contrasting Pixar Pals and Mickey and Friends, and he kind of um, suggested a really cool idea because we were talking about how they could give it kind of a facelift and, you know, kind of bring it up to par with Pixar Pals. And, you know, he suggested a really simple idea of changing all of the characters and Mickey and Friends to the new versions of them from those shorts that look really cool Mm -hmm. and modern Mm -hmm. with bright, beautiful, bold colors. Because the color palette, it's so 1997 when it opened, something like that. It was like in the late 90s when it opened. (laughs) And they look so bad. Like Minnie's pink. It's like this Pepto Bismol pink. Like, come on, this is Minnie. She's the freaking queen of the kingdom. Yeah. She needs to be popping, you know? And like, I don't know. I feel like the the new designs of those characters are so fun and and cool Mm -hmm. and in their own way, timeless. Like, I think they will be loved for a long time. And I thought that was a simple, simple thing that they could do to help spruce up Mickey and friends uh and i I thought that was a cool idea yeah i like it i
1: like it it's so funny you know you said right now that you think they're timeless that people like them and it's so funny to me how so many people are against the new mickey shorts you know they they don't like them they're saying that it's so un mickey but when you think back to the original mickey shorts mickey was a troublemaker
2: They're much more in keeping with the old black and white ones. Like people don't realize, they fail to recognize that Mickey's had straight up personality changes throughout the years. Like they've cleaned him up or they've, you know, um, sterilized him in certain ways. And he's gone through some major iterative changes along the way. And, you know, people didn't like those changes when they happened back then either. But that's the nature of this. You know, Walt wanted this to happen, he wanted everything to have an evolution and to grow and to expand and change and not stay the same that was like staying the same was death to Walt like he could not stay the same so you know i I, I think people m- like fail to recognize that that's the vision that this company has, and that's what they try and maintain and if they don't like the new Mickey shirts they're kind of dumb because they're awesome. <laughs>
1: Well, it does keep in tune with that original Mickey Mouse, the the concept, just of, of all of them, right? With yeah, just not not just with Mickey, but with also Donald and Goofy, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 crazy how people just kind of fight the new Mickey Mouse shorts, but I love them. I, I don't know, they remind me of my childhood for some reason. Just yeah, you know?
2: they're they're so cool. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I love their. Animation style and the color palette and their character design and their music, they're, they're practically perfect in every way. Oh, are they? Mm-hmm. With
1: or without a spoonful of sugar?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with or without. Either way. They're perfect.
1: Okay, well... Uh, Before we get into the main topic of this episode, Gavin's going to be talking about Frontierland and before we talk about Comic-Con, which is kind of what led us into our last conversation, I want to quickly remind you that this episode of Pocketeers is brought to you by a fantastic group of folks. Called the fgp squad our podcast fairy godparents and if you would like a little more information on how you can become a part of the fgp squad you can head over to podcuteers.com fgp there you'll find a little bit of information about the fgp squad a link to sign up and a list of some of our fairy godparents as part of the FGP squad, you have the opportunity to be a part of some of our giveaways and the exclusive Fairy Godparent live streams that we've started doing. The next one is coming up very soon. Unfortunately, we hit the end of July and we didn't get a chance to do it with all of all of our schedules just kind of scattered. But it's coming. We're doing it. And I'm happy because I'm kind of excited about testing out the new animations and the new transitions and all that stuff. So, woo! I'm I'm happy about it. So that's coming up. Nice. Uh, so yeah, more information can be found on podcasters.com slash FGP and of course as always to all of the members of the FGP squad. We just want to thank you for helping us keep the lights on every week. Because we hurt you. <laughs> and I think you heart us back. So it's a mutual hearting. That's weird. I shouldn't say that. Hearts all Hearts around. Hearts all weird. around. Let's leave it at it that. It was a
2: drive by hearting. Drive
1: by <laughs> hearting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on before this gets even more weird. (laughs) Okay, so Comic-Con. A lot of stuff was happening. Again, uh, I I mentioned earlier that some people were saying that uh, it felt that Comic-Con was kind of a fail if it wasn't for the Hall H presentation from Marvel. Really weird to me because, I mean, I watched The Good Place panel and even though it's the last season of the good place uh, i enjoyed it because i love that show am i sad that it's leaving yeah because i like it but
2: marvel that's what we're talking about right now not the good place wait 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 there was a good place panel at comic-con yeah because it's the last season do they not have an actual comic theme anymore is it just like anything goes at comic-con pretty much that's why next year podcateers
1: are having a panel Heck yeah. You heard it here first. I mean, it's held held at the auditorium of the Radisson, like, several blocks
2: down. (laughs) But, oh, man, we're having one. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that, like, it kind of... There's this general sense that Comic-Con has kind of gotten too big and kind of lost its way. And a lot of people are not as interested in it anymore so it'll be interesting to see how that how it pans out over the next few years yeah it does yeah it has developed a name
1: for itself um as the place where new movies, new television shows tend to break now. The news from studios goes out through Comic-Con. And so it, it has, I think, lost that charm a little bit of just the comic books and where it all kind of started. From what I've heard, people have told me that they like to go to WonderCon because WonderCon tends to feel more like when Comic-Con was first starting. And yeah. I'm I'm hoping that i don't start feeling like that about d23 right because sure we do want d23 to grow and there are growing pains with these types of of events and d23 the last time that we went versus those first couple of expos oh it's a huge difference there's been so many advancements it's so much better It's just easier all around. And this year they're doing the pre-registration. You know, you're going to be able to sign up Mm -hmm. for all of those uh, presentations, except me on Saturday. I'm not going to be able to go to the Haunted Mansion panel because I'm not going to be there on Saturday, but I'm not Not whining about it. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just saying. Anyhow. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it's getting bigger and bigger, which is great. I just hope that it doesn't get to the levels of what Comic-Con is where people begin to think, like, ah, this is this is too much. Don't want to do this anymore. And so that's when we'll be like, well, we're announcing Podcasters Con. Nice. Or unless we, we present just... at the, the next D23 Expo. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, They'll be mean. like, guys, yeah. you know, we've listened to the playlist on YouTube of all your Armchair Imagineering episodes. And we're just thinking... You know, come do a panel at D23 and let's do a live armchair imagineering of everything in the parks. So let's just, you know, it'll just be fun.
2: Bro. I'm right? <laughs> that would <laughs> be <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I just hope that D23 Expo stays an every other year event. If they decided to do it every year, uh, that would be too much, yeah, I think.
1: I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, so, Marvel. This year, we got a lot of announcements in Hall H uh, that we kind of already knew. You know, they announced a specific timeline for a lot of the properties that are going to be a part of Phase 4. Obviously, Spider-Man Far From Home was the end of Phase 3, which ended the Infinity Saga after Endgame. And so it looks like in Phase Four, the first film that's going to be coming is Black Widow in May of 2020. Eternals has a date of November 2020. WandaVision, Loki, and Hawkeye are all coming to Disney Plus in spring of 2021, and Hawkeye's coming in the fall of 2021. We're also going to get the Falcon and the Soldier, uh, and the Winter Soldier, uh, fall 2020. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is coming uh, February of 2020. And just side note on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I know we've talked about this before, that I didn't know who, who Shang-Chi was. But when I heard the announcement that Simu Liu was getting the part of Shang-Chi, I was excited because Simu plays one of my favorite characters on Kim's Convenience. Uh, on Netflix, and I I just, like I, I like him as an actor. I think he's funny, and I think he's going to be good in this role, so I just want to throw that out there. Um, what else are we getting?
2: Oh, Doctor Strange. I feel totally out of touch because I don't know any of those things you just mentioned. Oh,
0: I'm on the same page with oh. Kevin. I'm like... Watch-
2: Watch you know, Kim's I'm happy for you. Watch it on Netflix.
1: It's okay, funny. I like. Okay, it. cool. <laughs> I'm actually hoping that they keep putting out episodes because I've gone through all of them at least twice, and I just love that show. Oh, uh, nice. The dad's like my favorite character on there. So we're getting Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because you know he took. Myster- oh, I don't want to spoil Spider-Man. So anyway, we're getting a Doctor Strange movie in May of 2021. Uh, we're getting a series <laughs> called What If in the summer of 2021, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a second. And then we're getting the craziest Thor movie with the title that seems like it's straight out of the 70s and he needs like a crazy mustache. Thor Love and Thunder in November of 2021. Oh, I thought maybe it was going to be Thor Discotech or something. <laughs> it might as well be, dude, <laughs> with that title. Uh, it's interesting. Among all of the announcements of what was coming, there was no mention of Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, obviously now that they own the Fox properties, Kevin Feige even said, look, we didn't have a chance to talk about Fantastic Four or the mutants that are coming. I like the fact that they're kind of tying everything into the current comic books because Thor Love and Thunder will feature a female Thor and it will be played by Natalie Portman. I don't exactly know how they're going to do it in the film or if it's there, if there's going to be a direct tie-in because they do tend to change some of that stuff. But I know that in the comics, um, she was Jane Foster is the name of the character. She's essentially dying. And so I don't know if that's the route that they're going to take with this one, but they might considering that they're doing all these tie-ins. So it'll be kind of interesting. Uh, the What If series is... Is, is a cool concept where they have the Watcher. And so it's narrated in a sense where they're asking the question, what if this character was in this other universe and they did? And so it's all these stories from like alternate universes for like, who knows, we could have had like an evil Captain America. You know, and it it's gonna play like all these what if roles. So that one, I I think is one of the ones I'm most excited about. That's gonna be summer of 2021, so it's a couple years away. But one of the biggest announcements that they had towards the end of the of the presentation was when they were bringing everybody on stage. You know, they have these hats. They have the show or the film that they're gonna be working on, and. Okay. Uh, at the end, when Kevin Feige was saying, like, oh, you know, we're, we haven't talked about Fantastic Four coming. We haven't talked about this or Captain Marvel 2. Uh, he said, oh, there's there's one more thing. He pulled a Steve Jobs, right? He's like, oh, there's one more thing. I want to bring somebody else on stage. And so he says, ladies and gentlemen, Mahershala Ali. And Mahershala Ali, you know, the last time that I saw him in anything was in House of Cards. And, and he's, he's a fantastic actor. And uh, I think he's even in one of the Marvel shows on the CW. I don't know if it was Daredevil or Arrow, but I think he's on one of those, like, side Marvel shows. Uh, I'll look it up. But I remember him from from House of Cards. That's where, that's where I knew him from. So he comes out, and Kevin Feige's all like, oh, you seem to have your own hat. What's on your hat? And so he puts it on. And it says Blade, right? And they put a big Blade <laughs> logo up on, up on the screen behind him. Uh, I like the fact that they're bringing in somebody new instead of Wesley Snipes. Uh, outside of Blade Trilogy, I, I like the Blade movies. Uh, I thought the third one was not as good as the first two. Uh, but uh, I, I do like the fact that they're bringing somebody else in because I, I want to say Wesley Snipes is in his mid-50s at this point. You know and and oh, at least yeah, and Mahershala Ali is in his forties ish mm-hmm. if the m c u has taught us anything is that most of these characters are in for the long haul, you know, unless mm. they get war machine replaced, but most of the characters are in for the long haul, so it it's just weird to me that a lot of the stuff that was announced was is stuff we already knew, what we got were dates and confirmation of who was playing what characters essentially. But it still leads me to, to wonder, what are they going to
2: announce at D23? Right.
0: That was my question.
2: <clears throat> so that's got to be where they're going to talk about Guardians. And what was the other one you said they left oh, out? Oh, Fantastic Four. They left out the Fantastic X-Men. Oh, yeah, Black Panther. Yeah, and yeah, Black yeah. Panther
1: 2 is supposed to be a pretty big one, too. Because Black Panther 2 is rumored to be a film where T'Challa passes the role of the Black Panther to Shuri. And she becomes the new Black Panther. Yeah.
2: Back to Thor. I thought Natalie Portman basically said, I'm not into this whole superhero gig. And like that's why she checked out of this series originally. Yeah. Was she just not happy not being the star? Or what's the deal? How did they get her back? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, to be
1: honest with you. That's I had the same mm. question because I thought she was completely done with it. It could have a lot to do with the fact that Taika Waititi has such a good track record with the Thor mm-hmm. films that she thinks that she'll be able to work really well with him and she'll have a really good role in this one. But it could also be that she's playing the lead role now.
2: Interesting. So so the very, the next Thor film we get is going to have her as Thor, not Chris Hemsworth. Is that so what's he's, happening?
1: So if if it goes parallel with the comic book series, we will still see Thor as Thor. And he will always be Thor because mm-hmm. he's Thor. But somehow he'll pass on that power to her, you know, to prevent mm-hmm. her from, from dying or something. And then she'll continue the mantle of Thor. Because okay. if... I mean, I mean is, is it okay to spoil endgame at this point because of
2: course it is I mean, yes. I mean you don't spoil you it don't care. I'm the last person <laughs> on the planet that didn't see it and I don't care. The Go. point is that Thor gave up his throne,
1: right? So at, okay. at this point he's not even leading new Asgard and so he's just the dude now. And the, the rumor was that he was going to go off and there was going to be the Asgardians of the Galaxy. Like there was a comic book about it where Thor was going around with the Guardians. But that doesn't look like it's going to be the case anymore. And I, I kind of mm. like that because I like keeping the Guardians as pure as possible before there's a huge shift in in the characters. right? Because it happens. There's even new Guardians now. But... Uh yeah, it it is interesting that Natalie Portman came back for this. I would love to hear the story as to why. Yeah. But I haven't read anything or or watched anything or heard anything as to what convinced her to take the role again. Mhm.
2: That's very interesting. I uh you know, once upon a time I was basically in love with Natalie Portman. I think a lot but, of us were. Right, yeah. Um not me. But what they've turned that Thor <laughs> franchise into is so like witty and charismatic and like there's so much coolness to it. I I can't see her doing any of that. You know, like when I think back on what she's done, like to me, like I don't know. I don't know if she's got that in her wheelhouse. I hope she does because I love the Thor franchise. I don't okay. Know. So I'm glad you said that because I completely disagree with you on this. Really? Okay.
1: Oh yeah. And let me tell you why I disagree with you. Three letters. S N L. When Oh, I don't know if I saw her on okay. SNL. Okay. So she's been on SNL several times.
2: And the first oh, time wait. that she yeah, did she the rap the or the the Natalie rap Okay. Oh. That's true. She does have that edge. I do think she can That's pull it out. That's true. Off. I forgot about that and stuff. And because
1: of who's directing the Thor films, I think it, it will come out in her. I think that this film is just going to be as witty and as good as Ragnarok was. Okay.
2: Yeah. Nice. I You know, honestly, I had forgotten about all of that stuff. Um. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Maybe this will be the resurgence of Natalie. Oh, man. I'm hearing the raps in my head now.
1: That's not like... Yeah. Anywho, Google them in case you're not appropriate for this podcast. podcast, So, you know, ask your parents if you can Google it, kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, that's a lot of the stuff that's coming in phase four from Marvel. Obviously, we're going to get a lot more information at D23, and I'm looking forward to it. It looks like there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff that's coming. And like I said, that What If series, oh, man possibly the thing that i like the most because i feel like it's going to take us on all these adventures and spin off all these questions that maybe a lot of us as fans have thought about throughout watching all of the films you know in the mcu
2: so yay bring it on i'm so in i'm in oh that is that is a crap ton of films it is man. that is so many and that's it's only over the next like couple years yeah yeah that's insane yeah. Wow. Phase
1: 4 is going to be very compressed, and it's going to have a lot of content, especially with all the stuff that's going up in Dis- on Disney+. Plus. So mm-hmm. it, it does feel uh, – like, right now, I feel like we're in this lull for at least a year where we're not getting superhero stuff with the end of Endgame and Far From Home. But then it just looks like we're going to get slammed with superhero stuff. So I hope – that we don't feel the superhero burnout again. Like most mm-hmm. Star Wars fans have said they
2: felt the Star Wars burnout with all the stuff yeah. that came out. It's almost, yeah, it almost feels like even with episode nine coming this winter, that's almost too yeah. soon, you yeah. know? like, But it's tradition. Yeah. So I, they, they like to do that Christmas release for uh, Star Wars. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and see if they can. Break their uh, Infinity War record or Endgame War. Which one broke? Endgame. Endgame Endgame record. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um,
1: Oh, by the way, uh, it was officially announced. I thought we, I think we talked about this in a previous episode where we were talking about how Hulu and Disney Plus would play well together. It was officially announced that Disney Plus will be an add on to Hulu for a discounted price. So the oh. price wasn't official. Like there, there wasn't an announcement. I'm pretty sure that we'll get that at D23, but it mm. it was announced that Disney Plus will be an add-on for Hulu or vice versa. If you sign up for that and want Hulu as part of the package, so nice. uh, I'm glad to hear that they're bundling it, and I'm glad to yeah. hear that it's going yeah. to be at a at a discounted rate if you sign up for multiple services. So yay, good on you, Disney. I like that. Very cool. Uh, okay, I think it's time to officially jump into our, our main topic for this week. We're going to be talking about Frontierland. Gavin, are you ready to go with us? Let's saddle up, y'all. Nice. All right, well, before we jump into that topic... I do want to remind you that if you purchase anything on Amazon, a really great way to help out the podcast is by starting that purchase by going to podcateers.com slash Amazon, clicking on the big Amazon button that you see because it'll take you to Amazon using our special link and anything that you buy may earn us a small commission from Amazon. So to everybody that's taking the time to do that, thank you so much for using our link podcasterscom slash
2: Amazon before your next purchase. All right. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's. All right, kids. Let's mosey on over to Frontierland. It's time for the wildest ride in the wilderness. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) It's always time for that. So, yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Frontierland and the story of that great and sprawling land we all know and love. So, Frontierland is what I would say is arguably the most quintessentially American land in Walt's Magic Kingdom. It is inspired by the frontiers of the sprawling United States from the Mississippi River all the way to the coast of California. It represents the westward expansion of the population of our newly formed country from the late 1700s to the late 1800s, thus its appropriate placement on the western side of the park. Uh, It gives us glimpses of the deserts, prairies, rivers, and mountains that make up the vast areas that cross three time zones of our country. It is the Wild West, the California Gold Rush, the national parks, and the forts and stores where trappers and traders swapped goods with farmers and merchants. It is the OK Corral, Davy Crockett, and the Oregon Trail. In other words... It's epic.
1: Dude, I didn't realize that the story spanned three time zones. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: There's so much mythology and legend and history in the American West that at the original size of Frontierland, which was 33 acres, it still only scratched the surface of what could be told there. Um, I'm going to provide a little context of this land um, for, you know, to kind of give the picture of what was going on in the world of media in the 50s uh, because I don't think that everybody instinctively would create this type of era or area in a modern-day amusement park. But in the 1950s, westerns were all the rage and, you know, there was this major national craze for basically cowboys and Indians in the nineteen fifties. So like on TV, some of the top shows were Gunsmoke, The Lone Ranger, Bonanza, The Rifleman, and Wagon Train. They were consistently among the most popular shows of that decade. And actually in nineteen fifty eight, eight of the top ten T V shows were Westerns. Yeah. So it was a national craze that was happening at that time. Um some of the more popular and iconic movies of that decade were also Westerns. Some of my favorites are Giant, uh, the movie Shane, and Old Yeller from Disney.
1: Old Yeller! Uh, yeah. Come Yeller! Come back, Yeller! Come back, Yeller.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, get out your tissues for that one, kids, right. if you haven't seen it. Huh. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, it affected music. The popular music charts uh, with a little song that everybody knows called The Ballad of Davy Crockett which uh, actually came from a series of short films that Disney produced. Um, And that song was actually recorded by four separate artists in 1954. All four of them reached the top 10 in the U.S., uh, with one reaching the number one spot for a month. And all four of them reached the top 20 in England. Wow. So, Westerns were a thing, (laughs) y'all. They were big. Wow. Um, And of course, Disney was part of that influence and influenced by it. Uh, So, when they were, when Walt was concepting the park, of course, one of the things that would be prominently in his mind is a Western area. You know, he wanted his park to, you know, be about dreams but also about the dreams of the past and a lot of the american dreams of the past were the westward expansion Um, so that's what frontierland is Uh, when the land opened and for its first couple of decades the attractions there were centered around modes of transport travel and exploration on land were mule trains stagecoaches conestoga wagons and a mine train on water were canoes, rafts, keelboats, a sailing ship, and a large paddle wheeler. It was a bustling place, to say the least. In addition to these were also a lively saloon called the Golden Horseshoe, a shooting gallery, a miniature horse corral, and a river island with a wilderness fort and caves for exploring. Basically, there was endless things to do in this land mm-hmm. like so many things because it was big and it was full. In some ways it was kind of the opposite of Tomorrowland in those first few years which was large itself but mostly empty. Uh, so they did a good job with Frontierland right out of the gun. Uh speaking of guns, an interesting fact, uh the original shooting gallery Uh, in Frontierland, which was actually the second shooting gallery after the Main Street shooting gallery, used real lead pellets in their guns and required that the targets and scenery be painstakingly repainted nightly. Wow. Yeah, imagine the cost of doing that today. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, thanks infrared technology. Right? Yeah. Uh, So... They, they they ended that after a while, um, but originally, yeah, you were basically shooting real guns.
1: Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> it's crazy, right? <laughs> I think, honestly, yeah. I think that if it
1: was to the point where they had to repaint it, they would have said, yeah, let's find something else to put there. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Frontier Land was a sprawling place with seemingly endless things to do and see, but... The novelty of experiencing real world historical transportation as a Disneyland attraction eventually wore off. Disneyland had brought many other attractions to the parks in its first two decades that changed the level of expectation guests had when they walked through the gates. For example, in Fantasyland, they could careen down the Matterhorn Mountain, in Tomorrowland, they could explore the sea in a submarine. And Frontier called out for such an attraction, too. The first step in this direction was the legendary Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) Sniff, sniff from Hazen, of course. I'm not going to go into detail on this one because next week Hazen's going to tell us the tale of that legendary attraction. And I'm going
1: to try to do it without crying. (laughs)
2: but but (laughs) suffice it to say it is probably the attraction that most of us today wish we could go back in time and experience totally so i'm totally pumped for next week when we can kind of get in our imaginary time machine and try and go back to that attraction eventually the evolution of attractions continued and even the mind train was removed for something more thrilling Thus, the sniff sniff from Hazel. Mm-hmm. So, in the 1970s, amusement parks around the world were implementing new, more extreme roller coaster type thrills. Thanks in large part to the innovative track design of the Matterhorn Mountain bobsleds in 1957, ride engineers began pushing that technology to new heights, new angles, and new curves. Disney found that many guests began to find their parks a bit blasé because of this, so they decided to add some thrills to both Tomorrowland and Frontierland. The first, of course, was Space Mountain in 1977. Then, in 1979, led by a young star in Imagineering, Tony Baxter, Disneyland created Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Led by the stash. Led by the stash. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. The stash. Tony the stash bets That's Baxter. right. <laughs> and of course, we all know and love it as the wildest ride in the wilderness. Hold on to your hats and glasses. That's <laughs> one of the most well-known spiels in the park, I think.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, outside of the mansion, right? It's yeah, probably the, mansion, the one that gets quoted yeah. the
2: most. Probably the mansion... Wildest Ride in the Wilderness, Pirates, some of the Pirates stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's up there. It's definitely iconic. Big Thunder was an instant success. It has become a true icon of Disney parks and it exists in most of the Disney parks around the world. Uh, The Disneyland version is inspired by Bryce Canyon in my home state of Utah. Nice. Uh, If you don't know what Bryce Canyon is, it's one of our national parks. Uh, Google images of it. You will be blown away. It's gorgeous. Uh, Very little has changed about the attraction since 1979 because of the brilliance of the track design and incredible level of theming. Uh, It's really hard for me to consider this anything but a top five Disney attraction. Um, the 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 thrills that you get from it, the theming, the just the excitement of what you experience on that attraction delivers every time. Right. Uh, I think I rode it three times this weekend, and I can't imagine ever getting tired of it. And of course, who doesn't love that dynamite chewing goat? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, a couple years back, uh, they actually did a refurbishment of this attraction uh, where they replaced all of the track. So the track is a little smoother and a little faster now. Um, Also, it's a little safer because they have a newly designed braking and ride management system that they installed, um, which, you know, makes this attraction just all the more enjoyable because you don't have to worry about anything. And then, of course, they also added new effects to the final lift hill where you enter the mine and see some exploding barrels of dynamites. It's kind of awesome. Uh, But other than that, that attraction is more or less the way it, it has always been. And it's been thrilling guests for 40 years now, 42 years. And it's going strong. I can't imagine them ever really getting to a point where they would... Uh, redo Frontierland again and replace that, you know, like I fully believe it's there to stay. So I want to talk a little bit more about the land in general. Um, I think for some people, uh, the theming can be a little underwhelming. And I think this is due to kind of the really authentic look of much of Frontierland, you know, but there are lots of great details in this part of the park. Um, you know, from like the wooden sidewalks to the post and rail fences, you know, they, they kind of give you that ambiance, the, the fort entrance, uh, the kind of the stockade fort entrance. Uh, they all are, have visual cues that put you kind of in this Western town. Um, if you look down as you walk around, you will see hoof tracks and boot tracks in the rough pavement areas, which is a neat little touch. I love that. Um, another interesting fact is when you enter frontier land from the hub, about 40 feet in, you'll see a flagpole and there's a plaque there. And at the entrance of most lands at the park, there is a plaque and it will contain an excerpt of the original dedication that Walt spoke on opening day. However, in Frontierland, you won't see that. You will see a plaque donated to Walt by the American Humane Association, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but I did want to read the actual dedication that Walt um, spoke. So in, on July 17, 1955, Walt dedicated it by saying, Frontierland, it is here that we experience the story of our country's past. The color, romance, and drama of frontier America as it developed from wilderness trails to roads, riverboats, railroads, and civilization. A tribute to the faith, courage, and ingenuity of our hardy pioneers who blazed the trails and made this progress possible. I think it's a nice encapsulation of what this land is. Yeah. Also, um, another little fun fact, which I'm sure Hazen will tell us a little more about next week, is that when you're in the queue for Big Thunder, uh, the little town that kind of overlooks the queue is called Rainbow Ridge. And that was basically salvaged from the Nature's Wonderland area. Um, and there are some other hints and clues uh that remain from that attraction that I'm sure uh, we'll hear more about as well. But uh, keep a keen eye out when you're in Frontierland. There's there's history to be seen, even Disney history. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite new elements of Frontierland is actually something that a lot of people I think still haven't seen. And that is the new series of waterfalls that have been added to the rivers of America. I love that feature. And you can experience it on the train, on the Mark Twain, or any of the boats on the river, yeah. actually. Um, and it's a long, curved series of waterfalls, which I think are very beautiful. It's a neat little feature that they've added. Uh, gave the train the first opportunity to make a left-hand turn. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I love the new waterfalls that they added back there. But I think my favorite detail of all of Frontierland is actually a seasonal detail because it is the home in September and October of the officially dedicated Ray Bradbury's Halloween tree. And as a huge fan of Ray Bradbury, I've always loved his work and I love that he has a connection to Disney and the fact that they were able to dedicate that With him present before he passed Mm -hmm. away was, to me, a very touching, moving thing that happened. And I always spend time underneath the Halloween tree every fall at Disneyland. So if you're not aware of what that is, if you go this fall, it's the tree right outside of the shops on the left-hand side of Frontierland. Uh, that's always filled with orange lights and little pumpkin lights. And there'll be a little plaque there that you can read, but that's Ray Bradbury's Halloween tree. It's my favorite little spot. I love it. So that's Frontierland, kids. Um, I hope you love Frontierland land as much as I do. It's one of my favorites and it actually holds a lot of nostalgia for me because I remember very clearly as a kid, um, Going to Tom Sawyer Island and losing my mind with how amazing it was to be able to explore an island filled with caves and a fort and little barrel bridges. Uh, So if you've never been over there, which I feel like a lot of people haven't been to Tom Sawyer Island, check it out. It's super cool. Pirate's lair now, sir. Yeah, it's always (laughs) uh, Tom Sawyer Island to me. (laughs) But yes, it is I called that's Pirates like Lair. One of,
0: that's like one of the best quiet yeah. spots.
2: Sure. At Van. Sure.
0: Oh my gosh, it's I love it. Yeah. Just to go there, and you can actually see the waterfalls. It's just to see everything there from that little angle. Yeah. So yeah. so cool. Yeah,
2: it's really neat. It's a cool idea that really only exists at, I think, at Disneyland and Magic Kingdom in Disney World. Mm-hmm. I think Paris I don't think there's anything I think Paris has Paris Paris has
1: a a big thunder mountain. It's connected to the story of Phantom Manor, so
2: Right. Right. But I don't think they've got a Tom Sawyer Island kind of thing,
1: right? Um you know what? I don't think so. I'd have to go back and research, but off the top of my head, I don't think I, I think they have an island on the waterfront, but I don't think that it's accessible the way that Tom Sawyer Island or pirate's lair is yeah i'll have to research it i I don't know to be honest with you mostly when i think about paris i'm thinking about phantom manor so Mm -hmm. i i I don't know
2: (laughs) yeah well the 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 last detail that i think that they have added recently that i think is really good is actually the area in big thunder trail where they have two entrances to galaxy's edge and if you don't know that galaxy's edge is back there you will never know they have done such a great job of maintaining theming for those entrances not putting up big like star wars signs and stuff i love it i love those transitions from galaxy's edge to frontierland and back because they they took the time and space to make them really long. They added some curvature to those pathways. So you're never able to stand in one land and look out to the other land. And I just love it. I think they added some great new rock work, some amazing landscaping, some some prop work. Like that stagecoach that's sitting there like crashed in the one entry is really good. I, I love it. So I really feel like right now, like Frontierland is one of the most complete, like perfect lands that they really don't need to do much to. I know we're going to slice and dice it in a couple weeks when we aren't Imagineer. <laughs> but I really feel like right now Frontierland is so perfect. I know that a lot of people miss the Big Thunder Ranch and there are other things that people miss from the past. I personally would love the keelboats to come back because I thought they were awesome. But Frontierland, man, it's so beautiful, and I, I just hope people can love and appreciate it because it, it's a work of yeah, art. I agree. I mean, there's, we talk about all the lands
1: and how sometimes they feel disconnected from themselves. Uh, you know, Tomorrowland mm-hmm. is obviously the most glaring of those. Yeah. Uh, but the footprint itself, compared to the other lands, is kind of small because everything else is pathways essentially to other stuff. But Mm -hmm. you're right. The transition from Frontierland to Galaxy's Edge is so smooth that from what I've seen in my tours of Magic Kingdom on the YouTubes, it feels like... How Magic Kingdom (laughs) has a way of transitioning you from land to land without it feeling like you're going from land to land. A lot of things are a lot more blocked off from what I've seen. And it doesn't make you feel like, oh, I'm in Tomorrowland, but hey, look, there's that thing from Adventureland or I'm in Adventureland and hey, look, there's this Matterhorn Mountain across from me. You know, so it does a better job of masking the effects of where you're supposed to be. And I really like that. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more of it going on with the other parks, but I, I think that's part of what makes Disneyland and the hub so magical. That Mm -hmm. you stand in the middle and you can see all these different entrances to all these different places in your imagination, and no matter where you walk, you have a completely different experience. So, as much as I don't like the fact that it's not masked, I love the fact that it isn't. So, I don't know. It's a catch twenty-two, man. (laughs) Catch twenty-two. I get it. I get it. Yep. (laughs) You know the the Bertha May, one of the boats the The Gully mm-hmm. Wumper uh, obviously is back on the water. It's one of the, the props that's on the rivers of America. I think the Bertha May. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who owned it, or who I don't know if he still does after what happened. But uh, Richard Kraft
2: was the owner of the Bertha May for oh, a while. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. I if I venture to guess now, John Stamos probably, probably. owns it. <laughs> oh, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, he owns half of Disneyland already. ha, 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 ha. Oh, okay. uh,
1: yeah that's awesome dude I love that They there was so many connections to the wild west when it first opened obviously we had the Indian village over towards where the mansion was mm-hmm. and there was an authentic Indian tribe there and you would hear stories you would hear presentations from the Native American mm-hmm. tribes in the area uh, you know we, we did lose a lot of that because the construction of New Orleans Square began to happen and so they
2: had to kind of demo all of that and compress it but yeah i mean the the and then bear country too yeah it it kind of was that whole side of the park basically originally yeah Yeah, it was it was basically a picnic ground on that
1: side so yeah in a lot of ways um but yeah i mean there's there's so much magic especially in in the mine train and ah i just let's Mm -hmm. just fast forward to next week just, okay, that's, uh, John. <laughs> <laughs> We're there. Okay. So let me tell Hi, you thanks. about nature's wonderland, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pocket Tears. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's a particular place in Frontierland that you enjoy, we'd love to hear what that place is for you, where you like to sit, where you like to uh, just people watch, you know, like I was talking about earlier. Or is there a particular meal that you like to have? at uh, Frontierland because there's there's a couple different things that you can get there. And I know the barbecue isn't there anymore. Let's leave that out of the conversation because
2: I think a lot of us will agree,
1: we miss you, Big Thunder Barbecue.
2: I believe that technically the Riverbell Terrace that has barbecue now is technically part of Frontierland. Yeah, it's not the
1: same though. I I like it. I get it. it. It's not the same because you're not getting all that food in that bucket. Uh, family oh, yeah. style. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. That. that was it's part of the, the charm. Animalist. You get all the
2: food in a feed bucket. Yeah. You know, I never ate it. At Big <gasps> Thunder Ranch. What? Oh my god! I was always a solo traveler, so it didn't make any sense for me to go over there. I I don't even know if they had individual meals. Oh man, it was all family style. That's I think a good so. Question. And I didn't know. Anyone. I I wish our paths Aww. would have crossed earlier. Yeah. Well, actually, we actually met in. We actually did.
1: Remember? (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny because we were. I think we were both there to meet another artist that was doing the pumpkin carving, Mm -hmm. and so we were just walking around, and I happened to see Gavin wearing. I think the Podcaster shirt that was like the Beatles version of the logo with the kick drum. I think he recognized me, and then we just kind of started talking. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
2: <laughs> we Aww. walked off onto a foggy airplane tarmac, and it was, it was the greatest movie ever made. It was. I was like, here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hilarious. All right. So that, I think, is going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, that was awesome, dude. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait for no next week so we can talk a little bit about Rainbow Ridge and talk about the mine train through <laughs> <to> Nature's Wonderland. <laughs> it's okay. I could <laughs> keep it together. I'll keep it together. Okay. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. If you have any thoughts on anything that we talked about again, join the conversation over on Facebook, Instagram or on Twitter. We love to hear your thoughts. We'll share them in an upcoming episode. Again, if you are interested in helping us reach our goal of $1000 for the Children's Hospital of Orange County, teamboatwilly.com is where you will find the links either join the team and raise money for yourself or to just make a donation. Remember, I'll say it again, it sounds cliché, but yes, every Every single dollar counts. So to everybody that's had the opportunity to donate, or if you're considering donating, you know, just make it a dollar. It'll certainly help out and we'll appreciate every one of those dollars that comes in. So that's it. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Bye.
2: Major look.